0: She's Tori
1: And he's Nick
0: And this is I Want to Rewatch
1: An X-Files adjacent podcast
0: In search of
1: Voodoo This episode was written and produced by Alan Landsberg It was directed by H.G. Stark And it was edited by Cliff Holscher with assistance by Jack Dunsmore and John Schwartz. The series is hosted and narrated by Leonard Nimoy. And this episode originally aired on Tuesday, July 26th, 1977.
0: And then, as we always do, we start out with narration.
1: The ceremony mingles the demons of humanity's oldest fears with elements of a young religion. The result is a faith filled with spirits of good and evil and tinged with magic. For priests and practitioners alike, the cares of the real world disappear in the ecstasy of celebration. They transport themselves into a domain rich in legend, dark curses, and mystery.
0: Da, 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 da. So we don't know what we're talking about yet, I don't think. No,
1: we don't.
0: Sounds spooky.
1: And then Nimoy comes back and he says, This is the world of the Hungan and the mambo. A world haunted by the specter of the zombie. (gasps) This is voodoo.
0: In search of voodoo! (gasps) Whoa! And when he says mambo, he doesn't mean, like, dancing? No. Yeah. No, no, no. That's a female priestess of voodoo. Theory conjecture, blah, 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 <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And then in the spirit of hot takes, we have corrections, which aren't really hot takes. They're actually like anti-hot takes, because that's where we messed up and we can tell you we messed up. <laughs> so we do a lot. Yay. Yeah, so <laughs> reaching back to ghosts. I would just like to clarify that I did not forget about the Tim Burton movie, The Headless Horseman. I intentionally did not mention it. So there. But I did forget about the other Scooby-Doo Headless Ghost episode, the one we actually did an episode on, Season 2, Episode 5, Haunted House Hang-Up, in which the mystery machine overheats in front of an old spooky mansion that is coincidentally being haunted by the Headless Spectre. And unsurprisingly, Fred decides they should investigate. So,
1: yeah, <laughs> Yep. Also, the actress, whose name we did not know, is Daniel Pinnock. She is the actress in Ghost that Nick mentioned. She plays Alberta on that show.
0: Yes, and and she was in the June 7th episode of My Mama Told Me, all about where if you dream about fish, doesn't mean you're pregnant. It's one of the ones where they kind of go more into, like, superstition and folklore than, like, conspiracy theories, but it's a pretty good episode anyway.
1: Huh, interesting. Yeah. And then speaking of actors whose names we couldn't remember, at the end of Life After Death, we had a bit of a tangent about the new interview with The Vampire Show, and I couldn't remember the actor who plays Louie. His name is Jacob Anderson.
0: Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't know who that is, because I didn't even know who the person is that she talked about who plays Lestat. So yeah. those Sam people. Reed. No, and those are the only two actors' on names the, I know not, from that show. So I'm not up on the cool kids and all that kind of stuff.
1: So. <laughs> oh, it's okay. But... I'm sure you'll hear plenty about it from me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but there was a huge error in that episode, and one that is all me because we actually were told what kind of cancer Shelley Rudderman had. It was Oops. advanced lung cancer. But the episode was so boring that we didn't pay attention, even though Tori actually says it in the episode. So I'm not sure how lung cancer then needs follow up surgery that involves valves and doesn't require full anesthesia, but whatever. So they do tell us, though. So. Still doesn't make a story make any sense, but Mm -mm. we did actually know. And I went on and on about how we don't know. And I was trying to make sense of it. We didn't know. I was just so bored. I didn't care. Anyway, (laughs) we also got another example of my verbal dyslexia in that episode, because at one point I say we see screen on the text instead (laughs) of we see text on the screen.
1: Oh, no, I didn't even catch that. So that is (laughs) that is my dyslexia play where I just hear it normally (laughs) anyway.
0: Yeah. And then, sadly, I have received no reply from Doctor Charles Grant so far. So,
1: Doctor Charles Garfield.
0: What did I say, Grant? Uh, Doctor Charles you're Garfield. Thinking,
1: you're thinking of Jurassic Park. <laughs> I
0: received Grant. that's that's Alan Grant, not Charles Grant, though. Although I am thinking of Jurassic Park because that's going to come up when we talk about Stonehenge.
1: Yay! So,
0: and so, yay yeah, in in episode corrections for <laughs> me not knowing names, even though they're written right in front of me. So, and then we go to UFOs, and this one leads directly into the episode we're about to discuss because my calling voodoo motherfucking witchcraft was out of line. It's motherfucking witchcraft in the same way that, say, Catholicism or sacrificing to the altar of Athena is motherfucking witchcraft. It's motherfucking religion. And, yes, I'm going to keep saying motherfucking, so whatever. Anyway, it's all fake, but I shouldn't, like, just imply that voodoo is witchcraft because, like, ooh, it's voodoo. So, yeah. Hmm. i apologize also it's like very rude to say things like voodoo economics and that kind of thing to be like "Ooh, it's you know that's super rude so yeah don't do that i do it all the time unfortunately because it's how i learned how to talk and so try to be better
1: yeah gotta slowly unlearn those things and just do your best i think is all you can do
0: yep So this episode is super different and we're going to do things differently as well, because this episode is basically like an episode of cops where they're going to ride along and we're going to watch two voodoo ceremonies along with some establishing shots and some prep and a lot of exposition. This episode is going to consist of almost, well, actually not even almost. This episode is going to consist of a pure transcription of Leonard Nimoy's entire narration for the entire episode. And then some descriptions of what we see on screen as we go. And probably some commentary on the narrative. So, Mm. mm, yeah, probably.
1: Yeah, I would imagine.
0: Take it away, Tori.
1: All right. So Leonard Nimoy starts talking. These are his words. just want to make that clear. They're not mine. Not that they're bad. I got to say, this episode, I was nervous about watching it because In Search Of has not handled some of these topics very What's the word I'm thinking? Well. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I was going to... Yeah, they have not handled these topics particularly well, and so I wasn't sure what to expect. I have to say, I was pretty impressed with how they mostly just describe what's going on, and they don't really add a lot of their own little commentary. They do add their comm. I won't say that. All right.
0: There's a a few bits that are kind of like, but yeah, we'll get to those.
1: Yeah, but for the most part, they just kind of... Record what happened. So there is some commentary where it's a little bit like, I wouldn't say it that way, but it's not as bad as I expected. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. So Nimoy comes on and he says, when Christopher Columbus anchored off the tip of Haiti in 1492, the island was proclaimed a land that possessed everything in the world a man can want. Almost 500 years later, that promise has dimmed. French colonizers Ooh. plundered Haiti, using slaves to rent sugar and coffee from the soil. And I have to say, I applaud them for using the word colonizers, even back in the 70s. Yeah.
0: You. I mean, just that first part where it was like, oh, it had all the wonders that man could want. And then it's like almost five years later, that promise is dimmed. I'm like, that is because of Columbus landing there. That is why all that dimmed. Because right. people came in and did what we're going to talk about. So, exactly.
1: Yeah. So then he continues... Today, for all its richness, the descendants of slaves live in the poorest country of the Americas. The second oldest republic in the Western Hemisphere, Haiti is the only nation ever to leap from slavery to sovereignty in one bloody step.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Good job, Haiti. And then you were basically punished for that.
1: Uh Uh-huh, Everyone
0: surrounding you, but yeah. Pretty much. Yeah.
1: Poor, noisy, crowded. Haiti clings to the traditions of two worlds. The language is Creole, a corruption of French. Officially, it has accepted as its religion Catholicism. Almost 95% of the people in Haiti are Catholic. Unofficially, they follow the hungan of voodoo. His name is Papa Jaoui. By birthright and practice, he is a voodoo priest. Reportedly one of the most powerful in Haiti. The parish of Papa Jawi perches atop a dusty hillside on the outskirts of Port-au-Prince, Haiti's capital city. No electric lines feed the houses. No pavement covers the roads. No plumbing carries in fresh water or drains the wastes. In two crude temples atop a small cliff, voodoo thrives. As preached by Papa Jawi, it holds the key to good fortune and good health For all the people of the hillside.
0: We get some establishing shots of Haiti, like marketplace. And then obviously we see, you know, this place, the temple. Um, I do think they focus a lot on the whole, like, these people have nothing. A lot. (laughs) They Um, do. I mean,
1: which might be true. I'm sure there was a lot of poverty in Haiti at this time and probably still is. Oh, still is. Yeah. Yeah. But also they do (laughs) focus on it quite a bit.
0: Yeah. I also do take issue with the phrase, the language is Creole, a corruption of French. <laughs> I did not like that word. So, um, yeah. yeah. Anyway. So then we're in studio with Leonard Nimoy. E. And he says, when an expert is asked what lies behind the practice of voodoo, the inevitable answer is that it cannot be explained. It must be experienced. What we committed to film, therefore, is voodoo, as is rarely seen by strangers. Voodoo, as it is felt by the people who live through its precepts. So then we go back to live footage. And we kind of get, yeah, you you kind of get the idea of what's on screen, but sometimes we may, I may jump in and tell you what's on screen to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. The time is early evening. No formal announcement of a voodoo ceremony has been made. But the activity on the hilltop has attracted dozens of people. The signal that the festivities will soon begin is the drawing of the veve, intricate patterns outlined on the floor in a white sand-like substance. The mark of a veve, however complicated its pattern, is the mirror image created by each design, which I means it's symmetrical. Is what they're trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, Papa Jawi has established tonight as a rada ceremony, a celebration of white voodoo. The drums are set to call forth a galaxy of smiling, optimistic spirits who bring with them good luck and good tidings. It is believed that the measure of a priest is his ability to summon the spirits. So Papa Jawi takes care to design the proper atmosphere. And I know that's standard procedure, but in this case in particular, The whole white voodoo and then the other side of voodoo that we're going to get to, I can't help but kind of smile every time they say white voodoo and not smile in like a like white is because I have an idea that I'm going to bring up at the end of this episode of what is going on in this episode. And Mm. so the fact that they are calling a lot of this white voodoo kind of makes me smile. Okay. we'll, We'll get to that. Yeah. The drums are believed to have junto, a divine spirit. The veve are drawn in the honor of the life force inside the drum. And then we see people, they've got like a bunch of drums, different sizes, and people are, you know, doing the drums. And we say each drum has a unique pitch and rhythm it keeps. Together, they create the music of voodoo, the hard, driving, unpinning of its power in the rada the white ceremony, all is joyous, and the children are allowed to participate. The Hunsai gather to launch the night's festivities. To dress in white and join the priest, they have undergone a protracted and difficult initiation. They have become insiders in the world of voodoo and can expect a larger share of the good fortune. So it's mostly women in white dresses. Mm -hmm. There is at least one young well, he's like a teenager boy who's kind of leading the chants and he is dressed all in white as well, but for the most part is women, so. Yeah. For this is believed that through the priest, the spirits will make themselves felt and seen. Papa Jawi signals the beginning. The first joyous call for the spirits to enter and join the festivities. From the cadence of the drums comes a force that burrows into the human psyche. The bass voice of the biggest drum, the mon mon, awakens perceptions and feelings that overwhelm the participant to hear. The sound is to feel voodoo. <gasps> I know sounds like rock and roll music or something, maybe like overpowering you and don't have control over yourself.
1: Ooh, yeah, very
0: surrounded by the ritual movement, the music, the singing, there comes a release from the hardships of life to the Haitian. The feeling clearly tolls the arrival of the good spirits. There is no time limit. For as long as Papa Zhaoi decrees, the Hunsai will dance, the drums will speak, and the spirits will enter the sanctuary. One symbol of success will be a possession. Whoa. The instant when a spirit will enter the body of a Hunsai and take over complete control. And then on cue, the possession Ooh. occurs.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: A principal Hunsai gets rigid and her body is beyond her control. Mm. Now, through her, the spirit is believed to speak and act, and good will come of it, for this is Rada white voodoo. The reason why, hmm, is because she's like in a chair, and she's kind of like dancing, but she's in a chair and moving along the floor, and right at the moment when he says her body is beyond her control, she pulls down her dress, because her dress is coming up. And then after that, everyone else starts grabbing it to help keep it down. Uh-huh, I was going to say, there's
1: like, a, there's like a guy in front of her who keeps trying to, like, tug the dress down to keep it down. Yeah. And I was yeah, like... there's
0: several people from different sides, like, trying to keep the guest down. But, like, right at the point where he says, like, she is beyond her control, she herself, like, pulls her dress down. And I'm like, really? It seems like she's in control. God, she's aware her dress is coming up. But anyway, so, yeah. Yeah. They believe the only possible harm that can come... Is that the spirit will vacate the body of the possessed and take with it the body soul, leaving behind a zombie?
1: <gasps> oh no, that wouldn't
0: be good. Tonight that will not happen. Oh, tonight okay, is Rada. Tomorrow night is Petro, the red ceremony, the celebration of angry spirits when anything can happen. Oh, <gasps> and then it's commercial. Yeah. So at least, they, like, at least the rod is the red ceremony, not the black ceremony. So that's kind of good. But again, we'll get into that whole white ceremony thing later.
1: Yeah. I will say there was a really cute little kid who was like two or three who was like dancing around to the drums during part of this. And I just thought Oh, yeah. Adorable. When they say that
0: children are involved and she's all... Doo, do, do, do,
1: yeah, she's do, do, just do, like dancing She's so yeah. cute. I was like, oh, that kid is so adorable.
0: <laughs> and I don't know why, but I kept getting the vibe of the... Like, the youngish man who's, like, leading the chant, who's all in white. I kept getting, like, early Michael Jackson vibe from him.
1: Huh. Okay.
0: You know, before all the plastic surgery and stuff. So, I don't know.
1: So, then we're back from commercial. And Nimoy tells us. During ages of intricately woven superstition, the role of Papa Jawi, the hungan, has been tainted by the black arts of the magician. How else can he be trusted to deal with the spirit that will be unleashed tonight in the Petro Ceremony, the calling forth of angry spirits? He is not a sorcerer, but a priest, as was his father. Through study and purification, He has achieved an exalted role among his people. Each day he is called on to produce curses and spells. He banishes demons and applies curses to wrongdoers. It seems a difficult task for so common appearing a man. His sanctuary holds the peculiar blend of elements that have become voodoo. Catholicism has been adapted to the warp of African magic. A roll call of saints mingles in a liturgy filled with the likes of Baron Samodi, Overlord of the Dead. In the innermost stronghold of the Petro Sanctuary, the walls bear dire threats. Vengeance is part of voodoo. To arouse anger against an enemy, it is said that two nails must be driven into the beam of his house after a family member has died. Then the dead spirit will be trapped, and in his wrath, he will turn against his former kin.
0: That seems messed up, honestly. Yeah, that's
1: a pretty rough curse. Jeez, you're like, spirit. You're like,
0: this dude is my enemy, so, like, yeah, but you're really taking, like, you're hurting the dead person, in theory, so. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I have an issue with the fact that, like. So in previous issues, we've dealt with dead people and we have ghosts and all this kind of stuff and ghosts can do all this stuff. But yet put a couple of nails in a piece of wood and they're like, oh, no, I can't leave the building. Like, "Mm, okay.
1: (laughs) Well, and as we learned in our ghost episode, ghosts aren't malicious. (laughs) They're just reliving their trauma,
0: their trauma. Yeah. But apparently put two nails in a piece of wood and they're going to go like stir crazy and destroy their family. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's not good. Werewolves abound in voodoo literature. Whoa! I know it's exciting. So do vampires. Damn! I did. I
0: did not know that.
1: I did not know oh. that either. I, I don't, don't know if that's. I actually don't know if that's true. true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem with research. I,
1: I know it's like maybe or maybe they just read something and we like, eh, sounds like ver- <laughs> Sounds like werewolves. Let's just yeah. put it in.
0: Werewolves, vampires, zombies—they're all the same. But yeah, got to be in there.
1: Normal people by day blood-sucking terrors by night. For those who believe in voodoo, the living dead are also real. The zombie. They haunt the nightmares of almost every Haitian child. Papa Jawi must cast spells and create amulets. He is required to interpret dreams and to reach into the future to predict events. Yeah, he's busy. I know, he is a busy guy. Yeah. Tarot cards and talismans are part of his working paraphernalia. Often he will be asked to give immunity from sorcerers. In complicated rituals, he will receive a lock of hair and fingernail clippings, place them in a bottle with part of the person's soul, and presto! So long as the bottle is protected, the person is safe from
0: sorcerers. You're putting part of their soul in a bottle, though. <laughs>
1: I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure that won't cause any problems or go wrong in any way.
0: You know, fingernails and clippings of hair. Okay, he can almost make like a homunculus or something. But like he's putting part of their soul in there too. Like (laughs) how do you get that?
1: I don't know. They don't say. Hmm. Soon he will be ready to begin the Petro ceremony. It is crucial that all goes well. For the anger that might be set afoot is awesome. Spirits with malicious natures might be appeased. If they are not, the consequences he believes are dire to all who take part in the service.
0: Whoa. And then we're back in studio with Leonard Nimoy. And he's like, occasionally the in search of cameras venture into a world where few have been privileged to travel. The Petro ceremony is won. Such a place is not for the timid sacrifice is part of the firmament so is fire so is possession it is a ceremony tainted by blood and enveloped by noise this is your warning like if that sounds like too much for you you might want to just stop watching now and just,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: live with the rod of ceremony and be like oh cool and you know so we're in haiti now <laughs> The coming of darkness signals the first greeting to the vengeful spirits of Petro. There will soon be danger set loose by the very acts Papa Jawi decrees. The spirits that are called Loa in voodoo might overrun the ability of the priest to control them. In the very first moments, after the completion of the complicated Veve, the special designs in sand, in case you had forgotten, Papa Jawi leads his people in prayer that is drawn from catholic liturgy the cross drawn upon the floor has for them dual significance for in voodoo any crossing point the center of all x's is a place where magic abounds there exists a great gulf between the people and the spirit with which they try to appease the ceremony provides the bridge between two worlds and then we see there, you know, the music's going on and people are dancing. And then they have, I think, I think it's a calf, I believe.
1: Yeah, yeah it's, it,
0: might, I, it might be a goat. I'm I was going to sure. say I couldn't animals.
1: tell if it was a yeah. little goat or a calf. But either way, I kind of stopped looking because I was really scared about what was going to happen. Luckily, yeah. I don't think they they don't it.
0: show anything aside from them carrying it around and you see like the terror in the animal's eyes because of all the noise and everything so that's I mean, honestly that's bad enough just to see that so yeah and then we are told the very act of touching the animal brings each person closer to his god and then we again we can assume that this animal is going to be sacrificed mm-hmm. so they kind of mention that in the opening we don't see it so we don't know maybe it's not maybe just having it there is the sacrifice maybe it's symbolic but since this is the Red Ceremony and they did mention blood. I'm going to guess. Yeah. So, also, I mean, you know, you eat animals. So I doubt, you know, the food is. Yeah. I don't
1: yeah. Know. I mean, I anyway. do too. I, so I shouldn't be all precious about it. It's just one of those things I don't want to watch.
0: No. <laughs> but luckily well, I they don't that, show it. Well, also, I meant like they're, they're if, if they do kill the animal, I'm assuming that that is going to be used for food and not Probably. just like, yeah left there to go bad, but I don't know. Sometimes you're not supposed to do that because that'll anger the gods if you try and eat their stuff. So who knows? I'm not an expert on voodoo. So you know
1: <laughs> you mean this episode doesn't make us an expert? Oh no. <laughs> well point? we haven't
0: finished yet. <laughs> that's episode's not over yet. By the end of the episode, then you'll get your little certificate. Okay. Oh, okay, cool. So stick around. Yeah. Okay.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. I'm in.
0: In the ultimate moments of the Petro, when the Loa, the spirits, are said to invest themselves in the bodies of believers. There will still be no actual contact. In voodoo, in order to be possessed, the person's own spirit must first leave. The gods are separate beings. God and a person cannot occupy the same space at the same time. So even though they're in your body, your spirit is not like touching them, I guess. so I's got the word'm not gonna get like spirit cooties or something. <laughs> so the person possessed leaves their own body and becomes a horse. Carrying the Loa wherever it wants to go. When the Loa, the spirit... They got to keep reminding you that Loa means spirit, apparently, because they've said it (laughs) like four times now.
1: I know. I know. It's like we get it. We understand what Loa means. Thank you. Yeah.
0: When the Loa, the spirit, departs, the person may return to their own body. An end devoutly wished. If the person does not return, the body becomes a zombie. Ooh. a member of the walking dead, cursed for eternity to live without feeling or thought. So apparently your body just lives forever if you're a zombie. Yeah,
1: that sounds pretty awful, though.
0: Yeah. Legba, the spirit who makes communication possible with the other gods, is present. oh He has opened the door to possession, and the so-called horses are carrying the spirits around the sanctuary the possessed will remember nothing of what has occurred. And basically there's a mosh pit now at the ceremony. Mm -hmm. And like, there's some people wrestling with each other. And so I don't know if it's like two possessed people wrestling or if someone's trying to hold back a possessed person or what, but there's kind of, yeah, there's also some dude who is super into fire. And is like just running around, burning <laughs> himself with fire, and sticking it on his butt, and like humping the fire and burning <laughs> it his feet. It's my and favorite.
1: Just... I loved the fire guy because he's like he's got these fire sticks. He's throwing but at one point he's like sitting in front of the fire and he keeps just putting his hands through it and I was just like Mm -hmm. that guy is intense
0: or he's like like putting his pelvis closer and closer to the fire like (laughs) look I'm gonna burn my junk I'm gonna burn my junk so yeah he's just and he's like in his own world too he's like everyone else is doing their thing and he's just (laughs) running around with the fire fire, like woo woo fire fire (laughs) yeah it's it's pretty great but it's also pretty funny So yeah so safe now they feel safe. Papa Jawi has led them through all the dangers of Petro. The spirits have been appeased. The Loa of Vengeance are calm. Momentarily, they are content. The Petro is finished. And there's a commercial. Yeah. So, no zombies.
1: Okay, well, that's good. I'm glad we did not have to witness that. So then we come back from commercial and Nimoy tells us the crowded, noisy, ragged world of Haiti breath, the demons of voodoo, but there are those that contend the spirits that are let loose in the Rada and the Petro are the very center of an ennobling religion. Maya Dern, author of the divine horseman has put it this way. Possession by the spirits is a reminder that man is of divine origin an heir to unaccounted multitude of hearts and minds, that at the root of the universe the principles of cosmic good endure, that even under his torn shirt, his hunger, the failures of his wit, and the errors of his heart, his very blood harbors monumental spirits. Perhaps this is why voodoo holds sway on the hearts and minds of Haiti.
0: Dun, 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 so I uh, I guess the one thing that hasn't already been said because in my notes I said what hasn't already been said, the one thing that hasn't already been said is me talking about the white ceremony. And what I think was funny is because I am not sure that all of this is not a show for a bunch of white people with their cameras. <laughs> I yeah, just this feeling. There are some looks in the camera where I'm like they know they're putting on a show.
1: Yeah. And it's like how much of it is really their actual ceremony versus how much of it is this is what we're going to show these people and then move on. So, yeah, I don't know where that line is.
0: Because if these things are as sacred, as important as they say they are, I'm not sure you'd actually want people in there filming that. That could be bad. It'd be like saying like, oh, guess what? The Freemasons invited us to film their secret ceremonies of how they control the world. I don't know if they would really do that unless they were putting on a show for you. Yeah. So, I could be wrong, but it just seems a little... Mm. And then there's just, like I say, there's some looks in the camera where they're like, mm. they're kind of giving you that little wink. And so every time they were talking about the white ceremony, I just thought it was kind of funny because I kind of took that as meaning, double meaning, like this is a ceremony that we do for the white people. <laughs> <laughs> so like
1: <laughs> honestly that would make a lot of sense and that is also hilarious yeah
0: so every time i heard the white ceremony i was like i get you
1: yeah yeah
0: so uh also so the maya dern quoted at the end of this episode i was surprised to learn it's actually maya darren the ukrainian-born experimental filmmaker um, I was not aware of, or more likely, I probably forgot about her interest in Haiti and Voodoo. Uh, she was the author of Divine Horsemen, Living Gods in Haiti, which was published in 1953 by Vanguard Press and by Thames and Hudson in London. So Vanguard Press in New York, Thames and Hudson in London. It was edited and includes a foreword by Joseph Campbell, and is considered by many to be the book on the subject of Voodoo. And here in my notes, I am spelling Voodoo the way it is supposed to be spelled which is V-O-D-O-U, even though it's pronounced the same, whereas in this episode it is spelled like how we normally see voodoo, which is V-O-O-D-O-O. Mm-hmm. So, And on that, Maya Darren way back in the 50s, was actually spelling it the way people spelled it at the time. So the way the actual people spelled it, so not the double O-double O version. So she was being more culturally. So there was a 1954 documentary that was also titled Divine Horseman, The Living Gods of Haiti. That was released with footage that she shot between 1947 and 1954. Recordings made during this time were also released by Electra Records in 1953 as an LP titled Voices of Haiti. Huh. Uh, Maya Deren died from a brain hemorrhage at the age of 44 on Friday, October 13th, 1961. Oh. An expanded version of her documentary is released 20 years later after her death, edited by her third husband and collaborator, Tijo Ito. Who died of a heart attack in Haiti in 1982? One year later. Mm. So, um, I actually know about Maya Darren because of film school, and so okay. about her. I like I said, I probably forgot this part. I'm sure I knew about this, but mm-hmm. I probably forgot about it. So, because when I was trying to find out who this Maya Dern person was, when they since they quoted her, I was like, oh, I should look that up. See about this book. Like Google corrected it and took me to Maya Darren, and I was like, oh my god, Maya Darren. So. But, yeah, she was a Ukrainian-born filmmaker. She's actually born in uh, Kiev and uh, then moved to the United States. So she was very instrumental in the whole, like, avant-garde film in the 50s and 60s. Okay. So very anti-Hollywood. Very interesting. Cool. If you're interested in learning more about her, I would recommend the 2002 documentary, In the Mirror of Maya Darin, which I watched in film school. I believe the version I watch, there might only be one version. I think it's a subtitled version because the German is Irm Spiegel der Maya Duren. So I think it's a German film. And then there may be English versions available, but I think it's subtitled. I could be wrong. So. And that is all I have to say about this episode because there's not really a lot to say, like, No,
1: I I mean, yeah, there's not a lot to say. We saw, I will say, as
0: I was watching it, maybe because I was typing this all out by hand, I kept was like, will you just shut up? Like, (laughs) just let it happen. Like, I don't need the narration. Just be quiet. Yeah. You know, for an audio podcast, it's probably good to have that. But there were parts when I was watching, I was like, okay, yeah, we don't need to be talking now. We could just let it play. Yeah, we kind of see
1: what's going on for sure. Yeah.
0: So. Yep. But that technically is Alan Landberg's fault. So. He <laughs> really, so. Yeah. Leonard Nimoy was just doing what he's told.
1: Oh yeah, no, said. I don't blame Leonard. Just getting Nimoy. that check.
0: Just he's reading the copy.
1: Check. That's what he's doing.
0: He's yeah. yeah. That was voodoo, not as like ooh as we thought it was going to be. There's yeah. some stuff.
1: there there are some things but it's definitely it could have been worse so (laughs) you know
0: but yeah I I am thinking that at least some of this was a show
1: oh for sure I think you're probably right on that
0: yeah anyway I want to rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios
1: Episode production, design, and editing is by lazy End Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz, and The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians.
0: This is where you can find all our X-Files episodes and most of our X-Files adjacent bonus episodes which cover television and films that are, you guessed it, X-Files adjacent. If you like them, tell a friend. We'd be happy to have them join us.
1: Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we go in search of... Inca treasure.
0: Ooh. And together, we'll try to figure out if if the truth truth is is still out there. The truth is what we make
1: of it.
0: I just realized I'm not recording, so you're going to send me both files. Oh, okay. Yep.
1: Oops. Sorry. I should have checked.
0: That's okay. I just hey, made sure it's I like was recording. Never, I just panicked. It's not like, like oh, that's what? never happened when I was in charge of recording. So you know, as long as as long as one of us is. <laughs> <laughs> and I got the little message saying you were. Yeah, I just had to double so. check. I was like,
1: "Oh God, am I recording? Are we just talking to no yeah. one? Oh my God, no, it's okay. I oh, that would be
0: horrible. I, I know, mean, at least be... well, I mean, aside from some little comments, it was mostly all just reading the script. So
1: yeah, but who wants to redo it? I don't. <laughs> yeah.